Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, and I'm joined today by Makore Maja. Let us get into the news of today, and let us first start off with some comments made by Minister of Police, Becky Kele, who has finally said something about the VIP assault on members of the public that was captured on video and went viral around the country. The trial is ongoing for the people implicated in that, but um, the Minister of Police has not spoken on the issue until now. Well, he was before the Parliament's uh, Police Portfolio Committee, and uh, he expressed concern about the negative impact and narrative the incident had created, and he believed that this had put the police on the back foot. He said that he had noted the criticism against him for not saying anything on the matter, uh, but he said he was out of the country at the time, and everyone, everything had been said by the deputy president, and, you know, there was nothing new uh, that no one would have come up that one would have come up with to fill the gaps as one has filled the gaps and calling for the police to be cooperative on the matter and doing what they're supposed to do okay look fair enough you know it's not like he was going to say anything particularly insightful on this but i think it really suggests where his priorities lay and the entire framing of this as uh you know the the narrative around the incident put police in the back foot i'm sorry but police are one of if not the most uh distrusted institution in South Africa. Uh, surveys have found something like only 30% of South Africans have any faith in the police service whatsoever. And when police brutality like this is kind of, uh, you know, no big deal from the police minister, I think we can begin to understand exactly why people are so annoyed with the cops. Never mind the ineffectiveness in solving many of the country's uh, problems uh, to do with crime. Uh, Makore, what's your take on all of this? You know, Nick, the Minister of Police is often first on the crime scene, take, getting a good photo op out of those moments. And usually they're not directly related to his scope of work. But you think issues are surrounding discipline of police or members of the police force, which hit that, like right to the core of a Minister of Police, would concern him and that he would have made a statement earlier, despite the fact that he said that he wasn't in the country and so forth. But still, I think it would have reassured... It sounds like such a... A, a dog ate my homework kind of excuse. I, I wasn't around. I was sick that day. <laughs> it's, it's a cop-out, right? He still had many opportunities to come out and say something because the story dragged on and on and on. But again, the his own language around this issue, you know, describing it as a narrative, um, really described, it informs us of how he, what his position and his posture is toward this issue of police brutality. It's just one of the other ones for him, one of the other many cases of police brutality that, unlike this one, never get as much coverage. Exactly. With such low trust in the police service, uh, the Minister of Police should be working every single day to make the public feel as though the police are on their side. But he's immediately framed this as being police versus public, and the implication being that the public is getting hysterical about something that's no big deal. Um, I, I, minister- I, I think this is Go ahead. The minister always sees himself as a victim and, and he kind of forgets the position he occupies, especially in the ring of government as the minister of law enforcement agency, like the SABS in South Africa. But again, the victim narr- narrative gets ahead of him. Right, exactly. And it is it is emblematic of so much that is wrong with governance in South Africa, uh, particularly in how government responds to things, bad things that happen. Okay, Um let us uh, move on to our next story. And this is some comments by the Minister of Water and Sanitation, Senzo Machunu, who said that uh, 
we're facing a very significant backlog in the amount of money it's going to take to fix South Africa's water problems. He says that according to estimates that his office has done, it's going to take 90 billion rand per year for 10 years in order to achieve what he described as 100% reliable water and sanitation service provision in South Africa. He was responding to a question asked by the EFF, which was looking into um, why, uh, whether whether there was incidences of, of where water tankers, um, the, the companies providing water tankers had been sabotaging uh, water infrastructure. We believe that that had happened, for example, in Hamanskral, there were accusations that that may have happened. Um, he was going on to explain, however, that it's really, the, that backlog is so massive um, in his answer that water tanking is going to be a, re a, a reality of how we deal with water problems going forward. Um, this, I think, McCorney, I was saying to you before the show, it really encapsulates the problem uh, in the country of how the longer the mismanagement goes on, the bigger it's going to take, the, the bigger the, the amount of money and the amount of time it's going to take to fix the problem. Now, you know, no country, I think, has to be at whatever this hundred magical 100% reliable water and sanitation service uh, is. But, you know, 900 billion rand, it's almost a trillion rand over 10 years, that's a lot of money. It's ugly, isn't it? It's the cost of corruption, maladministration, malfeasance over years. It just compounds like interest, right? And this is the story of, again, Transnet, which there's an estimate out there that says it'll cost $400 billion to repair and refurbish railway systems in the country. Uh, a similar uh, estimate is placed on fixing sewage infrastructure. You're talking about water tankers. That's drinking water sewage infrastructure is also in the pits in South Africa. It requires, again, billions of rands um, to fix over a sustained period of time, despite the fact that it even as far as sewage infrastructure goes, people were writing articles about this as far as 2002 ago or long already, saying, listen, if this is not fixed and if a good chunk right. of money is not set aside for this annually, if not, if maintenance is not done on these annually, then <laughs> we will we will be sitting in a pile of crap, <laughs> which we are as far as Quite sewage literally. infrastructure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is also the story of ESCOM, right? I said this to you as well before the show that now we are burning billions of diesel, right? Billions of rands worth of diesel to keep up the maintenance and infrastructure of some of the um, electricity facilities that are put off. So it's going to continue compounding. And I have no confidence in the current government to actually do something about maintenance because these are not news, right? ESCOM is not news to us, neither is Transnet and neither is sewage and water infrastructure. And this is exactly why 2024 is going to be such a pivotal election. Uh, if major reforms don't result in some way from that election, from whoever is the government, 2029, the task of fixing South Africa's deep problems, particularly with things like infrastructure, with crime, with, with the collapse of state uh, efficiency in general, um, are going to be even worse. And they're going to be exponentially worse. As you said, it compounds uh, over time with interest. And, you know, there'll come a point where it's going to be <laughs> a little bit close to starting over from scratch in some municipalities. Uh, and that is not a position that I think anyone wants to be in. Um, when, uh, when, when, when South Africa first started off developing some of these systems, the population was a lot lower. So having to do that uh, again would be, uh, I think, a great struggle. Um, right, let's move on to our last story. Oh, go ahead. Move on, Nick. Have you actually heard of any political parties that are canvassing around that, around the idea of like bringing back good governance, you know, putting aside uh, money towards maintaining our very highly valued uh, pieces of 
key pieces of infrastructure have you heard any political parties really campaigning around those issues because we keep priming 2024 as a very important election but i'm not sure that that message is being conveyed by the relevant political parties in the way that it it should be so i think i think it is uh i think pretty much all the opposition parties at least have something in the kind of whenever they list you know the things are going to change infrastructure development stuff is always in that list and it's often quite near the top it's usually there's usually use the shorthand of potholes or something like that but uh, or stopping load shedding right um, but the, uh, I think because it's become, because we've become so used to it, that political parties really don't focus on it in their rhetoric because for them, and I think for a lot of South Africans, it's so obvious that it's kind of almost just boring, um, which is, I think, a terrible sign because that suggests that people are almost growing numb to some of these problems, uh, yeah. which is, which is not good at all. Um, okay. Let us move on to our last story. And this is a court ruling which found, um, that the uh, South African Pharmacy Council has been given the go-ahead to introduce its pharmacy-initiated management of antiretroviral treatment initiative. So uh, this, the Pharmacy Council came out basically with this thing that said that specially trained pharmacists would be able to offer treatment for tuberculosis and HIV um, um, people who are suffering from those conditions. And uh, as anyone who knows anything about medication in South Africa or health in South Africa will know, uh, the combination of those two, HIV and tuberculosis, are some of uh, the biggest causes of death in this country, particularly among poorer people. So there's a real need to get antiretrovirals out to more people, to make them less susceptible to TB. There's a real need to make sure that people are taking TB medication and taking it properly so they don't develop tuberculosis resist, uh, sorry, uh, uh, resistant to medication tuberculosis. And um, this was originally challenged by a, a doctor's organization which felt that uh, pharmacists would not be correctly uh, skilled and um, uh, to, to, to carry out this and their fears about things like you know uh, improper treatment or bad advice or um, uh, uh, people being over prescribed these things and then they develop drug resistant versions of that kind of thing so i understand the doctor's complaints here but these are not uncommon problems in South Africa's health system. And we, you know, I don't think I, I know anyone really knows what the numbers are, but a lot of South Africans who are suffering from HIV do not get antiretrovirals, even though for the most part, they're actually paid for and available. Um, and that I think is something that urgently needs to be addressed. So in my mind, this is a pretty good development. McCorney, what, what do you think? As I said in mine, I think doing away with gatekeeping, access to key treatments to, like you already stated, two of some of the leading causes of death in South Africa in 2023, HIV being a leading cause of death, like doing away with gatekeeping, access to treatment to those um, two viruses for me is a big win. And like the pharmacist already stated in the in the court case that these would not be just random nurses or or, or, or pharmacists, there'd be people who would be specifically targeted to be given treatment to know how to really handle these two very important um, viruses and treatments. So I have all the confidence that gatekeeping, doing away with gatekeeping, access to certain medical professions or medical services is only going to mean better healthcare, better access, cheaper access to healthcare in South Africa, which I'm a big proponent of. Right. And this is, in, in a small way, this is a kind of decentralization of decision-making. 
um, which which I'm usually in favor of. And I think in this case, it hopefully will provide uh, a benefit. I mean, there's no such thing as a cost-free solution. I'm sure there will be mistakes made, but I think probably the juice will be worth the squeeze in this one. Anyway, uh, that's all that we have for today. So we hope you found this interesting. And that's indeed a wrap.